Hello and welcome to Adam Analyzes. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. So here I am coming to you from a different location, but the podcast will remain the same for better or worse for the foreseeable future anyway. I'm also hoping that these episodes in the next coming weeks sound okay because my pop filter is currently packed away from my move. So as you know, as I said on my last episode, that 31 Nights of Frights is not happening this year, and I wanted to focus on some horror films anyway for the month of October. I said about different episodes not making the cut for 31 Nights of Frights over the last four years. While that is 100% the case, I did have to excuse one of those films again, since the film that I'm talking about tonight is too big to ignore. It's actually because of this film that this episode is a little bit late from my normal release schedule. I really do think it's time we announce the movie. Starring Odessa Azion and Jamie Clayton in the 2022 Hulu-exclusive David Bruckner-directed Hellraiser. This new 2022 version of Hellraiser hits a lot of familiar beats from what we know from the series. It also incorporates its own new mythology that still surprisingly fits within the framework of Clive Barker's original and the original series in general. This new version of Hellraiser is being billed as a new take on Clive Barker's original The Hellbound Heart, even though I don't see that specifically. With myself being very familiar with the original source material as well as the original film, this film and this story really is its own beast, and that's for the most part a good thing. This new version of Hellraiser tells the story of Riley, played by Odessa Ozion, who is a recovering addict and is living with her brother. She struggles with staying clean, and her boyfriend convinces her to steal this artifact from a so-called forgotten storage container. This artifact that they are stealing is the Lament Configuration, which we all know from the Hellraiser films and series of books and such that came before it, is not just a gateway to hell, it's also a way to unleash the Cenobites, which are a group of demons that have their own distorted version of pleasure that involves pain. First things first with this, this episode is going to contain mild spoilers. Not by intention, but there's a lot of things that I really want to talk about that there's no other way for me to get around it other than to spoil some things that may happen in this film. If you want to go in with a blank canvas and no opinion whatsoever, I highly recommend you check it out and then come back to listen to this episode. So first things first on this, you're probably wondering my thoughts on it. If you listen to the past episodes of 31 Nights of Frights, and actually I'm going to leave that little bit in as opposed to re-recording it. If you hear a little, that was my cat Gizmo meowing at me. But anyway, if you listen to the past episodes of 31 Nights of Frights when I did a series rundown of a whole bunch of different horror franchises, I also talked about the Hellraiser series and about how it is my favorite of the big horror franchises. And it's mostly because I'm fascinated by the inner workings of the Cenobites themselves. I don't feel like it's ever been 100% fully explored, and that's one thing that makes it fascinating to me. The world that Clive Barker created is definitely a unique vision of hell specifically, which kind of goes more in line with Dante's Inferno's version of hell. 
It's something that is not generally brought to life on screen in such a unique manner and makes things unique and different in all the best ways. This film is really being built up as a reboot as opposed to a continuation. However, the director, David Bruckner, and producers said that basically this is just another Hellraiser story. It's not exactly a reboot or a continuation, this is its own thing. They didn't want to have it be billed as a reboot, mostly because Doug Bradley as Pinhead is irreplaceable. We did of course get two Hellraiser films without Doug Bradley, and Hellraiser Revelations was not that great of a film. It would have made a very good episode of a Hellraiser TV show potentially, but not necessarily for a movie. Plus it didn't have a budget, which definitely showed. When we received the film Hellraiser Judgment, which Hellraiser 2022 strangely borrows a little bit of concepts from, with the blood of the victims, being a catalyst to set events in motion, Hellraiser Judgment was actually pretty good, and the guy that they got to play Pinhead in that movie at least felt close to Doug Bradley. He was no Doug Bradley, but he was okay. But that leaves me to the way Hellraiser Judgment ended. It ended with Captain Elliot Spencer slash Pinhead losing his title as the Hell Priest and was shown as mortal as well as homeless at the end of that film. So that brings us to Hellraiser 2022, the first installment in quite a few years. It's billed as a reboot, but if you really wanted to, you could actually consider this to be Hellraiser 11, which I'm perfectly fine with considering it as that. There's lots of little things, as well as some new stuff, that goes and makes you think it could be in the same world, as well as not be. I choose to feel that it's in the same world. Mostly because I'm more of a fan of soft reboots, which I believe this is, as opposed to a hard reboot, which is a complete fresh start. Yes, this is a fresh start, but it doesn't necessarily negate anything that came before it. One of the big things about this film that will be hotly contested for years to come, I'm sure, is whether Jamie Clayton's version of The Hell Priest is as good as Doug Bradley's. I think the answer for me is going to be Doug Bradley can never be replaced. He's my first on-screen version of The Hell Priest, even though Jamie Clayton's version of Pinhead slash Hell Priest is probably more in line with what Clive Barker wrote on page originally. With this new version of Pinhead, Jamie Clayton's performance I think is awesome. If I had to pick between the two, no, she's not going to top Doug Bradley, but she's really just as good. There's little things in her performance that gives you that malicious feeling that Doug Bradley brought to the role. I like the fact that she almost smiles without smiling throughout. It truly gives us that sinister feeling of a trickster type of demon that I always felt that Pinhead was. The box is a puzzle, but the game that the victims play with the Cenobites is also a bit of a puzzle in itself. If you're more than willing to play by their rules, you might make it out alive. A lot of people have claimed that Hellraiser 2022 is a product of being woke, and the complaints really are unfounded. A lot of people had an issue with this being the first female pinhead. And well, this is not just the first female pinhead, this is also the first female pinhead played by a transgender actress. Should that get in the way of anybody enjoying this film? No, it really shouldn't. The way that I saw this reboot, especially when I first saw the trailer, is that you really needed to go in a different direction 
to kind of make the audience not necessarily forget about Doug Bradley's performance, but instead have a little bit more acceptance because they were going a different route. We have actress Jamie Clayton who was able to deliver a powerful performance as Pinhead and it worked for the movie. The only downside is that she's not on screen most of the time. It takes a while for her to show up. And I know that's by design. It makes us anticipate the arrival of the Hell Priest. If we're really complaining about that, I mean, the original Hellraiser film didn't have Pinhead in it, or the Cenobites for that matter, all that much. They weren't even the villains of that story. Instead, we got the characters of Julia and Frank. They were the main villains of the original Hellraiser film. The Cenobites were merely just catalysts as far as the events happening in that film. That's pretty much the way Hellraiser 2022 plays out. There is a central main villain catalyst, but maybe the main villain in this film is addiction itself. And I think that aspect of the story is going to be what really divides audiences with this one. The main character, Riley, has a hard time letting go of everything in her life. She has a hard time of letting go of her drugs in her past life. She seems to fall into a lot of the same pitfalls continuously. That's what makes the ending of the film all more powerful. It's very poetic, as it felt like the box was a new addiction for her because she wanted to find out everything she could about it. She could have simply gotten rid of it, but instead she held on to it. It wasn't until the very end of the film that she decided to finally let go. The lament configuration being used as a metaphor for trying to get the next high was only covered briefly in the original Hellraiser film and series. Here it seems to really be at the forefront. I was actually pretty fine with that overall. The other new spin on the familiar tale is the fact that the Cenobites themselves no longer have the S&M type of appearance, which is sadly missed in this installment. The Hellraiser series has always focused on the bodily mutilation of its victims as well as the ones that become Cenobites. However, here a lot of them appear somewhat on the nude side. That's fine for the movie that they created, but they don't really have that spark and that creative nature that was in the creations of Clyde Barker's original film or the films that followed, even though I know that in some of the sequels, a lot of the Cenobites were pretty lame looking. It seems that for Hellraiser 2022, they removed a lot of the kink out of the sexual nature of the Cenobites and made it more into an addiction story in general, which is again okay but it just lacks the flair of some of the previous entries. I myself have not seen any other films by the director David Bruckner. I know that a lot of his films are held in high regard. I did want to see the film The Night House but somehow it just escaped me from viewing. Here David Bruckner has a definite sense of style. He provides a little bit more of an artsy flair to a lot of the shots. I think the production design on this film is excellent especially when you see the walls move, which was something from the original films with showing the gateway to hell. It looks great here. I just wish we saw a little bit more of it. It honestly is great to see a Hellraiser film with a budget again, as far as look and the production design and value, as you can actually see that they had a budget this time around. I think it's probably the best looking Hellraiser film of any of them. So this is going to be another moment that will divide audiences. They added a new set of rules to the Lament configuration. As it goes, it requires six souls for the different configurations of the Lament configuration. 
Whoever possesses the lament configuration in its seventh configuration is granted a wish. Of course, this wish always comes with a price. It's never 100% a reward. It's supposed to be a reward, but as we all know, it all comes with a price because the Cenobites don't always play by the same rules and have a very different way of thinking from our concepts. In that way of this new Hellraiser tale, it reminded me a little bit of the monkey's paw because your desire and your wish is always going to get distorted into not what you necessarily intended it to be. And I think with that concept alone, that's what makes the end of the film with Riley's speech and how she says that she doesn't really want anything. It's very poetic. And honestly, the scene alone seems like it could have been written by Clive Barker himself. And that's where the film really does succeed, since it seems to capture that poetic quality of Clive Barker's works near perfectly while putting their own spin on the material. Clive Barker is a producer on Hellraiser 22. I really do wish that he would have had a more hands-on approach. I don't know how involved or how little involved he was with this, but there's only a few scenes that really stand out that feel like they could have been something done by Clive himself. Even if the film seems to capture the essence of Clive Barker, it always feels like it's not quite there. I know that I just contradicted myself because as much as it feels like a Clive Barker product, it feels like something else entirely. If you are familiar with Clive Barker's other films or some of his other written works, you would probably get what I'm saying here. As a longtime fan, it's actually difficult for me to describe what makes his work so great. For me, it's generally the poetic nature of the written word put on the page. Of course, that would be a difficult thing to translate something on page to screen, especially if you're not the one who wrote it originally. If there's any major faults that Hellraiser 22 has about it, it's the fact that it feels very similar to a lot of things that came before, even though they are putting a new spin on it. We get a story that feels like it could have been taken from the first and second Hellraiser films, along with some of the other stuff from the other sequels throughout the years. Just kind of pick and choose what you want to include. This is supposed to be an adaptation of the Hellbound Heart, but I really don't see it too much other than a few little things brought in from the original novella, as well as the Hellraiser adaptation from 1987 and its sequel, Hellbound Hellraiser 2. We get a little bit of a mismatch. We get the feeling that the character of Voight is somewhat similar to Dr. Chenard in the second Hellraiser film. So while a lot of the film does feel new, it feels like it borrowed a lot and it kind of ruins this new experience of a brand new take. Yes, this film does feel like it's its own original thing, but it's also deeply tied to the original and I don't think the balance between the two was very well done. But considering that this film feels more like a soft reboot as opposed to a hard reboot, I'm more than willing to accept that and hope that for the sequel they go a little bit more in their own direction. If we get a sequel, of course. My biggest issue with this movie is the fact that it fell into those well-known horror tropes with a villain and a little bit of a twist to the story that you'll probably see coming. I wish that director David Bruckner as well as the filmmakers would have decided to go a different route in this aspect, but I guess it shows how you can play on the emotions of somebody who may be vulnerable because of their addiction. The only other big detractor for me is the fact that the movie is pretty tame overall. 
Yes, it's rated R. Yes, some of the moments are pretty gory. But it doesn't really reach the levels of some of the original Hellraiser films, which may be a good or bad thing depending on how you feel about the original films. As I've gotten older, I'm not really a blood and gore hound anymore with my horror films. It's just that when I get a film that's a little bit different from what I knew about the original material, it's a little strange. Nothing here ever really feels boundary pushing of an R rating. It feels like an R rating through and through. I was thinking they might go a little bit harder since it's on Hulu and it's a streaming property, which, by the way, this film definitely could have gone to theaters. Just like the earlier released Prey on Hulu, it was a very high quality film. Hellraiser 22 is also a high quality film. It feels theatrical, it feels better than streaming. As somebody that still enjoys the theater experience, it would have been great to see Prey and Hellraiser 22 in a theater, but it's on Hulu and I don't know how sequels work. I'm really hoping that we get a sequel to Hellraiser 22 as well as Prey. Hellraiser 22 sets up a little bit of an interesting sequel. We get to see a little bit of the creation of the new Cenobites. And I honestly have no idea what goes into a determination of whether you get a sequel to a streaming film, but it would really be nice if we get a sequel to this one. With me being a fan of Hellraiser in general, as well as the works of Clive Barker, I was always going to view this movie probably a little bit more harshly than what most would. I decided that I was going to keep an open mind with it because this was on the books to be made for a long, long time with various writers and directors attached to it. The Hellraiser reboot seemed to be stuck in a development hell of sorts. As far as I know, this has been about almost a 15-year process to get this new reboot finally made. It probably helps that Dimension and the Weinsteins no longer have control of it, and Clive Barker is now the sole rights owner. It should be well noted that Clive Barker did write a script years ago, or maybe it was just a treatment, of how he would do the Hellraiser remake. Of course, that film never happened, and the one that we received here is a very different animal from any of the other things that were being made at some point in time over the last 15 years. So overall, for me, I feel like this is a nice effort to deliver the series into being respectable again. It's a movie that I wanted to love, but I merely only liked, and it does have a standout performance from both Odessa Azion and Jamie Clayton. The movie didn't 100% hit the mark for the film that I envisioned this to be. However, it was a great effort, and I do look forward to any future installments should they decide to be made. This, of course, isn't the end of Hellraiser, whether we get a sequel to this film or not. There is still, at the time of this recording, a Hellraiser TV series being set up at HBO Max, which I would be more than happy to check out. That TV series, I think it would be best if it would go an anthology route, but I don't know if it would go with a long-form type of story or not. I guess we'll find out if it does, in fact, get made. Things are a little bit crazy with HBO and Warner Brothers at the moment. But we can always hope that we get that TV show and that we do in fact get a sequel with further adventures with the brand new Hellpriest and new Hellraiser world. 
I think I'm going to close out tonight's episode. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam underscore analyzes. If you don't do the whole social media thing, you can drop me an email at adamanalyzespodcast at gmail.com. And if you need to catch up on past episodes, you can do so at adamanalyzes.com. And finally, if you are enjoying my podcast, why not tell a friend about it? Tell two friends for that matter. Or if you have a free moment, leave me a five-star review at the podcast listening platform of your choice. It'll allow me to reach new listeners as well as continue to create new content. But with that being said, remember to always be kind and good night.